everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Live from the Hive. Live from the Hive. Well, St. Ambrose was the patron saint of beekeepers. Oh, there you go. So Nice, nice. That's why so many things at St. Ambrose have got to do with bees, bees. And, hun- and honeycomb and, and everything. I must admit the, the children do have a phenomenal sort of knowledge of bees, surprisingly. For sitting, you know, they lack sometimes. I go home and sit down with Senna and I go, oh, you know, let's have a chant about this and that about his, you know, his English and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, he gets so well with him and then all of a sudden he'll drop a B fact. And you're like, what? <laughs> How did the B fact come from? Comes from St. Ambrose. St. Ambrose. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Bang. In case you haven't guessed, I'm here with um, Tristan. Hello, Tristan. G'day. Hey, everybody. Thank you very much for being part of this inaugural episode. You're welcome. So the idea behind that, the idea behind all of this is just we're in a bit, we're, we are in a pandemic. We need to have some sort of community connection. And what better way of doing it than a podcast? True. Very, true. very true. And I was, I, was, I was lucky enough to run into you at Black Rocks Beach yesterday, and I thought, well, there's a gregarious character <laughs> that wouldn't mind having a chat with me and, and letting other people know what's on his mind. So, Tristan, how are you? I am awesome, yes. Uh, considering what's been happening, I'm, I'm very good. I, I try not to, uh, try to think about uh, things too much, especially in these sort of hard times. What can you do about it? you just got to uh, you know, pull your socks up and get on with life, so... Um, we don't. We live in paradise, so we can be in worse places in lockdown. So that's what I keep thinking myself. You know, we're, we're, you know, yeah, we're stuck over the border. We've got all this noise and stuff that's happening between governments and states, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, you've only got to sort of drive in your five k bubble that we have, and you know, you realise that we're in paradise, and you can be in worse places. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, as long as you've got your family around you, and um, you know, sunshine, and then you know, life's good, eh? Absolutely. Yeah. I think the idea of getting down to the beach as well and the, the paradise that we live at, I'm surprised how many people are at the beach. It yeah, felt like yeah. it was Christmas Day. It did, yeah. On the weekend. It's sort of kind of funny because you got down to the track and you looked in front of you and, you, and uh, there was a few people directly in front and obviously you can see the people in the surf and then you, 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 it wasn't until you glanced up the beach that you saw the number of people because every sort of bay or pull in had another group of people, another group of people, another group of people. And as, you know, as far as I could see, there was... People on the beach. It looked a lot more probably than what there really was, but there's, there certainly was a lot of people down the beach. But yeah, it's beautiful to see. I if mean, there's more than 20 people on Pottsville Beach, it's, Christ- it's Christmas. <laughs> it's Christmas Day, that's <laughs> it. I think people run to the beach because they think, well, if I don't, if I go to the creek, I'm going to be seen because you'll be seen from the road, can't you? So they go, oh, it's all right, we'll just duck to the beach. So mm. Creek was quiet, but the beach was yeah, certainly busy. you got to feel for the... the, the um, whoever it is that runs the caravan park, although it's council, isn't it? The yeah, the, the the I think both are, I guess. Yeah. I, mean, I know that I definitely know that the Pottsville South one is council owned, but yeah. I mean, I don't know how I don't know how that's run, whether or not they, they've they've obviously must have an invested interest into that caravan park and, and uh, whether or not there are they're on a council salary or if it's independent. But yeah, you would if if certainly if they've got a vested interest in it, you would feel sorry for them. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. no one there, right? There's a lot of people hurting. There is a lot of people heard, and across the board, I noticed that um, my wife Debbie she sent me a podcast or a story, should I say, a video cast of um, the protest at uh, the border that was going on this afternoon. And there uh, was one at the Tweed border. Yeah, there's one at Tweed and Coongala. Yeah, today. Ooh, I didn't yeah. know about that. Yeah, it was sort of talked about. Um, I heard it in the grapevine last, you know, during the week that it was the potential for it to happen. People were telling, oh, there's going to be truck drivers blocking the highway and all this sort of stuff. But I think it was more of a gathering of, of people um, 
And and from what I could tell, there's a, there's a fair few hundred people there. It's difficult to see because it's only from one perspective, but there was certainly a lot of people around uh, non-mask wearing and waving signs with, you know, anti, anti uh, you know, vaccination and, you know, don't. And uh, what's that? What's that? You're the voice and it's understand it. John, John Farnham. Farnham. He's yeah, a John, national treasure. John Farnham was blasting out through <laughs> someone's loudspeaker. That, yeah. <laughs> Take the pressure Take down. Take the pressure down. Yeah, that's it. That was quite funny. I didn't see all the, the there was a lot of like, police presence. It was sort of quite, they're all around that uh, uh, monument, you know, in the middle there that says North, you know. It's, it's, oh, it's Point like, Danger. Point Danger. Well, not, no, don't, not at the top of Point Danger, the bottom down section. The bottom. Of that. Yeah, the bottom section. Of where, that. The, where the lake is. The yeah, lake. Where the lake and the little roundabout down yep. there, that section of the, the New South Wales border, yeah, so. And they were openly walking across the border themselves and wandering around, but no, no police presence. But yeah, it was sort of uh, very, very peaceful. Put it that way. That's good. John yeah. Farnham. John Farnham. He's well. Yeah. He's going to make you relax. <laughs> yeah, he, he pretty would do. Yes, it's true. He's had some great tracks, John Farnham. He does. I, I, the funny thing is, um, it was a baptism of fire when I first came to Australia because I went to a wedding. And it was a wedding of a actually a British guy that was getting married to an Aussie girl. Um, he'd been here maybe a little few more years prior to myself setting up and I got invited to the wedding and I'm sitting there and uh, all the songs came on and it was all this you know John Farnham and, and I'm sitting there the hell are these guys <laughs> you know there's a lot of music that doesn't sort of transcend it you know Akadaka they've, they've been a, you know we've heard songs songs of that but like John Farnham certainly didn't didn't cross the pond uh, to the UK so it was a it was a you know a baptism of fire at that first uh, that first wedding when I'm sitting there and everyone's belting out and I'm like what the hell is this? <laughs> where's Come On Eileen? That's all we used to have. It's true. Yeah, where's Come On Eileen? Mm. How long have you been in Australia for now? Uh, it'll be 13 years, 13 years or so. Yeah. And, and predominantly in Pottsville? Yes, or? yeah. We, we bought, the, bought, bought the plot of land um, on the internet, um, Deb and I. I've been to Pottsville prior. Like I've been down, I went down the coast when we were courting. And she took me for a nice jaunt down here to show me where she used to go as a child, Fingal and the Tweed Coast and stuff like that. And I sort of stuck in my memory as a, as a place that I, I, I really remembered on our trip. And, um, yeah, and then when we were thinking about moving back to Australia, when, when Debbie was told to come home, shall I say, by her parents, that's enough now, your time to come home. <laughs> um, yeah, Pottsville was on the radar and we bought. And, uh, yeah, and that was it, straight to... Land, we didn't, obviously, we, we just bought a plot of land, so we had to build on it. So there's times where I spent on the Gold Coast, but I, I always viewed, you know, that was just a stopgap for us as we build the house. So, yeah, all that time, pretty much Pottsville. Home. How did you find it, an Englishman in Pottsville? Oh, there's, well, you kind of come in, you think you're going to be quite unique. You sort of come in and you go, oh, yeah, yeah I'm going to be the token palm of town. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and it doesn't take you too long to realise that, uh, yeah, certainly Pottsville, uh, this region has got quite a few of us. So <laughs> we, I, I wasn't unique for a while or, yeah, but it was it was interesting. I quite like that. I mean, um, I come from Cornwall in the southwest of England and that's very, um, very similar to sort of this area in the fact that there's no, there's no major, major cities. We've got bigger towns than, you know, Moorlandbar and Tweed and Pottsville, not massively bigger, um, but it's very sort of, it's coastal. Um, very coastal and uh, small community based and that sort of stuff. And I quite that I found that quite attractive, you know, sort of rather than going the Gold Coast, it seemed to me like one huge town with just separate little subdivisions through the middle of the or You know, there wasn't any defined fact that I was in Palm Beach or then I was in Crumbin or I was in, I didn't, you know, it was weird. And I, I like village lifestyle. So, yeah, I felt more at home 
than than certainly I did in Brisbane for a time, and or I did in on the Gold Coast living. So it was quite an easy move for me. Possibly. Yeah, you make a good point. I I actually have never really experienced sort of village culture and village life. I've always been a city city dweller from birth until. We moved to Pottsville in 2018, mm. um, and I yeah, it was a, it was a real it was a real eye opener, mm. and I really really embraced it early. The, you did the, the concept of community yeah. is something that we, we was I didn't realize it was lacking in the cities because you have a city mentality and that's yeah. just how it is, and then you move here and you realize that you see everybody everywhere, and yeah. it become you either embrace it or, or, or reject it very true yeah very true and um yeah you either come part of it and i think like i it's weird for me in particular and the, the, I, I like to die i dove in two foot was because i my generation of like my family my grandfathers and all that sort of came from one town i grew up there so you're embedded in that community quite staunchly you know um to the point where you know you're not really referred to as you know i was referred to as tristan i was referred to as stephen's son you know, Arthur's grandson, um, and that's the way it was, you know, so your, you know, your rugby club that, you know, that I played, at my, you know, my dad played, my grandfather, you know, that sort of side of things, so you're sort of kind of like, you're part of that community very much, and you don't realise then that loss of sense of community when you move away from that, like how much, you, you, you kind of think, well, it's a bit suffocating at some stages, you know, like it's weird because you're sort of sitting in there and you're thinking, you know, you, you, you know, there's no way you can go and be your own person because you're always reminded by someone else, you know, but yeah, and um, and then I left. I left for uni, but I was always attached to Cornwall and where I might grew up. But it wasn't until I left the country and I moved somewhere else, and then you got back in there. I thought, oh, this is a new start. And then it wasn't too long after that that I kind of was like yearning for that community, and that's why I kind of like I dived. I tried to dive into Pottsville and the life here um, and embrace it much, you know. But it was good because I got the start of myself. No one knows me as Stephen's son. That's great, or Arthur's grandson. So that was nice, and I. Yeah. Have your own identity. It does, yeah. Now it's up to now. If Senan decides to stay or Elwyn decides to stay, they can put up with that one. They can, <laughs> oh, you're, oh, you're Tristan, son. Hopefully, hopefully, in a positive way. It was always a positive way. I know my my my, my parent, well, my dad, and my grandfather won't be listening to this, but like <laughs> they did. It was a positive dad, and you know, it was real positive. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the rugby club because you used to, you you actually laced on the boots. A couple of years ago, oh. for the for the, the what was it called? The it wasn't the Golden Oldies. No, nah, well, they, they've called themselves the Busted Barbarians. Yeah, right. so that's right. But it was Golden Oldies. Yeah, that was the put that was the format behind it. Yeah, how did that go? How did that feel lacing up again? Oh, it was great. I mean, um, some of rugby was a massive part of my life in the UK. Um, it was a big part of our community. That was you know, the Cornwall was is the sort of bedrock of rugby in in England and. Um, it was nice. It was nice to get back in the club. I don't know if it was not necessarily nice to loosen the boots up for the first time. I think you always go in there with the same with your mindset that you're still 22, and you know it's not until the first hit comes up that. Bearing in mind, Golden Old is not you know, you're not smashing each other to pieces, so it's quite pleasant, really. You know, mm. but yeah, it was nice. It was again nice to feel part of, of of the club, and you know I was coaching prior to um, strapping on the boots, so and uh, that's a real big part of what I love is coaching and and, and being involved with um, that that side of the community. Uh, I love I love being involved with Castrina. It's a shame the last couple of years have been interrupted with COVID. So we've lo- we lost a lot of last season, and we've been sort of played around towards the end of this season. We've lost we lost a lot of game. Obviously now it's it's, it's pretty much game over for us. So, but yeah, good club and, and uh, another little great little things that happens for the community. But not only with the rugby club, the Black Rocks Board Riders. You're quite heavily involved. In yeah, that. yeah, we um. 
Yeah, what we now five, four, five years into 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 the sort of development of that club and. For those people that aren't surfers and just happen to see a yep. van at Blackie's every couple of weeks, well, what is it? So, it basically, and again, I, I didn't come from board riders. I, I surfed in the UK badly, but I did surf, and I, I know that's obviously a big part of this community is is the, is the surf, and you know, Black Rocks is is was a semi secret spot, I suppose, in, in the, on the north coast, and now obviously it's not so much now, but. Um, um, so board riders clubs in essence is just basically um, a chance for surfers to get together and have a, a competition outside of the you know the you know what we would see on TV as comps you know so these are these are guys because obviously surfing is an individual sport so you know if you want to show off to your skill level I suppose outside of being sponsored or going to major events this is a chance for you to do that and a more of a club I suppose a gathering of surfers and I think. That's where it came from. There's there's board riders at Cabarita, there's board riders at Kingscliff, and there's board there's a board rider at Fingal, and then obviously you have got you know you know then you go on the Gold Coast and there's there's one every 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 five minutes you know so, um, and it was born out of that really. I think it was born out of trying to give the community another face uh, in the surf and connect the town to town to the beach. And uh, it started off with my neighbour Jason Cookie sort of. You know, sitting around a few beers one night, and I and then he sort of kind of posted it on Facebook as a bit of thing, and I just put my hand. Up, I said, "Yeah, I got to get involved with this one." So, not as a not as I didn't want to show off my surfing talents, but God no, <laughs> there was no interest in that. I, I had no idea, but I thought, from my sense, it was a great opportunity to, as a as a father with young children, would to connect my children to the surf. I mean, we don't have a uh, a uh, surf club here. We don't, you know, we don't have that. Um, element uh, and we didn't have a board riders club beforehand so those kids that wanted to come down and surf and feel part of the a culture surf culture in Pottsville I thought it was really important to do so and it was lovely to be part of that journey and I jumped in straight in and my my role in that uh, apart from helping set it up was, was mainly involved with the microgroms which for those of you who don't understand the structure of 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 the surfing comps they you start off at microgroms, then it goes to cadets and then juniors, and then it goes into your open divisions. And the open divisions can get separated into like A's and B's. It depends on your, your level, and then it can go down into over 35s or or um, busted up surfers, whatever you want to call them, you know, which is kind of where I was I was sort of penned in and boxed into. Um, so, yeah, and, it, and, and that can be from, you know, kids just learning to surf. So the, the microgroms aspect is just taking those kids that are just getting used to surfing, um, the, uh, the mum and dads, you know, taking them down there and push them into small little whitewater roll-ins and stuff like that and just getting part, just getting the, the enjoyment. And, and obviously the more confidence that they grow, then they move up into cadets and they get less parent assistance and then they go into juniors and then they're surfing on juniors and then obviously they progress seniors and so on and so forth. So it's been great. Yeah, it's been great. And um, we've been lucky. The club got represented in a couple of um, larger comps, intercomp, intercomp challenges, um, and uh, managed to, to put some representation into some major competitions on the Tweed Coast as well. Um, so, yeah, it's been good. It's been great. another great thing to be part of and another great thing that, that the, the, the town has, you know, Pottsville's got uh, for youth and, and for adults alike. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's great. So... so <clears throat> with with the younger kids, the, it, they they were at what age would they start off? Oh, they roughly? can start. You can bring a child down. It doesn't really make much difference. I mean, as long as they're confident in the water, that's the biggest thing. They're, they're well with their parents. You could be, you know, I, I I've tried to start my my daughter Ellen is is eight, um, but she's still not hugely confident in the surf. So, but my son Sandon was 
you know, heaps more confidence. So he was probably in the water at maybe six, five or six. And, and we've had, you know, kids in there younger than that. So as long as they're happy to go down there, you know, it's all confidence based. And it's, all you're doing is taking them in the water, you know, knee deep water, and you're pushing them to the little white water rollings, and you're just giving them the high five. You know, it's just about amping them up and giving them something to enjoy. You know, it's unfortunately, where we where we live, um, it's open beaches, and open beaches aren't the greatest of beaches to learn on for children. I mean, you've got Cabba Headland is great for them because it's protected, and you've got a bit of protection at Hastings River Mouth, but certainly our open beaches aren't so. Um, yeah, it's just about getting the confidence, and I think it's what's good is is like for someone like. Um, my son and his friends, as they're coming up through the age groups and they're getting more confidence, what they're getting is a sort of sense of, you know, if they're out, say if they're 10, 11, 12, 13, 40, whatever, and they're cycling to the beach on their own and they, they're catching surf, to see a familiar face in the ocean that they know, you know, to, you know, I'm not, you're not always there, you know, and if they're out there, someone's got a, an eye on them and, you know, and oh, I recognise that, I know that that kid is and stuff like that. And I think that's that's important, especially, you know, we, we do have a very dangerous beach. Um, so to to go down to those spots, knowing that these guys, you know, there's other eyes in the ocean looking after them, is is great. And there's some, there's uh, I think there's definitely something as well about the the youth doing the same sport that that their parents are doing, because yep. I think so often we might you know we might sign our kids up for rugby or we might sign mm, our kids mm. up for soccer, but dad doesn't play anymore. You hear the stories of when dad played, or yeah, you hear yeah. the netball stories of when mum played. That's true. To actually, they're out in the water with with their, with them. There's something really, really. Um, it's something quite amazing about that. It is, yeah. It's it's lovely. I mean, that's that's the beauty of of being involved with sport as a parent as well. You know, you're, you're and I and I like that in the coaching aspect as well. You know, because you get a sense of achievement that you know you're seeing your own child sort of develop. And if you can put your hand up and, and get involved as well, you know, you're part of that process of making them, you know, better at that sport. I mean, I. I it's hard because we do push our children towards sports that we play, and that's inevitably the way we go. You know, obviously, union over league for me was always going to be the case. You know, difficult in Australia. It is difficult in Australia. <laughs> difficult to coach. And again, of soccer, I wasn't a soccer. Even though everyone used to say to me, "Oh, you must be soccer crazy." I wasn't. You know, I didn't grow up in a soccer region. Mm. I didn't grow up with a soccer dad, so it wasn't a big part of me. Even though you know he played soccer as uh, young. You know, that's the first sport he played with Senna was soccer. So. But you still, you got it. You get involved with it. You know, it's you got to let them sort of follow their own route as well. But it's lovely to be, you know, out in the ocean with your kids, and you're enjoying it. They're enjoying it on the rugby field, and they're both enjoying it. Whatever they want to do. I mean, at the moment, I mean, you can't walk five meters without seeing a kid on a mountain bike with a shovel in his hand trying to do a build jump. <laughs> that that, that everywhere is everywhere. Around yeah. Hill, aren't they? So this is the new fad, and I and I and I think I embrace it. I think why not? I mean, these kids are, you know, you're only young once, and you know, we forget. Um, sometimes you, people forget how what it was like to be, you know, to be a young, you know, youth, and you know, and I mean, they're only trying to entertain themselves. And I think to myself, well, I mean, they, there's worse things. There's they worse thing they've been doing. That's right. I mean, I don't. I'm not an anti Xboxer. I'm not an anti computer game. But I, we we probably grew up in a generation where that we weren't readily available to us. You know, we didn't. Not everybody had a, you know, an Xbox in their room. And to be honest with you, I, it, I waited 25 minutes to try and for a game to load when I was younger. You lost interest, you know, beep, 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 beep. the tape would be turning around and it, it would stop and like, you're better off going outside. I'm, and, I'm going, I'm not loading this game again. So <laughs> I don't, I think that's great. I mean, it, it's, it's sort of, it's quite heartwarming to see a kid you know, cycle on with the shovel. Like, Where's he going? You know what I mean? Yep. They're not hurting each other. They're not hurting anybody. I mean, uh, what the council need to sort of, sort of understand that. I mean, there's a lot of issues at the moment with, 
the kids get, and, you know, the, the jump's being pulled down. And I get it because, I mean, the council got to do something. They can't allow them to start digging up everywhere. But, you know, they're kind of having fun. But know. they have to come to the party perhaps. They, I think so, yeah. I mean, I've, I did notice a thing going around for the community the other day with regards to a, a pump track um, for the community. I thought it was a great idea. Um, I mean, if you go to any small... T- there's a weirdest thing about Pottsville. I don't know whether it's because geographically, like, we're at the end of Tweed, so, you know, people just go, you know, and... The outskirts. Bar and, you know, it's, I don't know what it is, but if you go to anywhere along the coast, you know, I don't know how big this town is. Like, t- uh, Tialgum, they've got a skate park. I don't know how many kids. I'm only... Th- Probably five kids in town, but they got their own <laughs> skate park. Have you seen the skate park at Nimbin? Yeah, I know. Hey, it's, it's hectic. It is amazing yeah. what those councils have been able to do with those places. That's right, and then it seems weird that you know, uh, yeah, there's one at sort of Cas- at Cabba there, but I mean, this is what all these kids want. Um, but I can say that because uh, the likelihood of one being built next to my house is very slim. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I don't know. If I'd, I'd be so be pumped if it was like right beside my house, you know. But someone's. But then we had this issue before, you know, think back to the man, the men's shed, you know, how much that track, you know, that was like the, the, the biggest debated thing in the town for ages. Will it, won't it? Will the man's shed be built? Won't it be built? You know, is it and that sort of stuff. So Christ knows what happens if, if we decided to build a skate park somewhere. So, hey, well, we should do it at the men's shed. Do it at the men's shed. There you go. Yeah, it's already been developed. We'll stick one down there. I'm pretty sure uh, the men, even the, men, the men's shed guys could build it. There you go. Build it and maintain <laughs> it. Maintain it up. Yeah. So, those rails would be so well varnished. <laughs> oh, wouldn't they, they just? Would be hey. out there every week, making yeah. sure that it was oh, a new coat of lacquer on new it. New coat of lacquer, no graffiti. They'd be out there polishing all the all the concrete. Exactly right. That's it. But it's all for the kids. It's all community. That's exactly right. Yeah, we, you know, I think that's and I think that's mass, especially in this um, this environment at the moment for children is is really difficult. And I don't think we'll ever really understand the well. We will understand the effects, but not yet for a while of what COVID has had on 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 some of our children. You know and We've been lucky. I mean, like I, I go back to, you know, chatting to family and friends in the UK, and you know, the amount of lockdowns they had there, or, or even Victoria, or now now going into Sydney. You know, we, we've we've been we're in our coming up to our second week really of lockdown in Pottsville, and we really can't complain. Um, you know, you go to the UK, and I look at my niece who has just gone through her GCSE, which is great, year twelve qualifications here, uh, and. Um, yeah, she basically, you know, it was all up in the air and they didn't actually sit them and then they get issued like a, a, a sort of a, a general census of what they did over the last five or six years of their student, you know, studying and that sort of stuff and then marched off into into the world. You know, these kids don't know what to do. They're, they're sort of lost a bit, really. Mm. And I feel sorry, real sorry for them. And um, I know that she's struggling immensely, really, with trying to find her feet now because... Um, yeah, I think she's sort of lost, real lost, and I feel, feel, and I think there's a lot of children or teenagers, I say, in in the UK in that same boat, mm. and they don't have the, you know, they certainly don't have the climate to be out there and just enjoying life and stuff, you know. So they, yeah, and I think we, you know, we're not we're not that way, but I think the more things that we can do as a community for our kids and and support them, you know, when these these times the best, you know, that's the, you know, we got a, good, a great school system, um, and. Uh, and they're trying their best, you know. Kids are trying their best at there, and you know, what do you do? You suppose you just keep going. Hey? Just keep going. Yeah, try and, try and find ways to stay connected. That's what this is. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And I think that's a that's this is a great idea. This is fantastic to keep that community spirit going. Well, Tristan, thanks, mate. No worries. That was really fun. <laughs> <laughs>